chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. I'm going to begin at verse 18. And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked them, saying, Who do the crowds say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. Now, there is only one answer Jesus is looking for in response to this question. Who do you say that I am? There's only one answer Jesus is looking for concerning this question. The question put forth to his disciples. It's a question put forth to all mankind. It's a question each life, each heart, each voice must answer. Who do you say that I am? The J.B. Phillips New Testament reads, While Jesus was praying by himself, having only the disciples near, he asked them this question. Who are the crowds saying that I am? Some say that you are John the Baptist, they replied. Others that you are Elijah, and others think that one of the old-time prophets has come to life again. And he said, And who do you say that I am? God's Christ, said Peter. You know, this is not about what others say or believe or think. This is not about what the crowd believes. It's not about what the crowd thinks. This is not about what others say Jesus is or who they say Jesus is. Now, sure, he asks them, who do the crowds say that I am? And his disciples respond. And then he asks them the real question. But who do you say that I am? You want to know the truth tonight? It's the most important question we will ever answer. There is no more important question. And so Jesus comes and it's to his disciples. I love that. It wasn't to a crowd of Non-believers are those that he wasn't close to. He's saying, who do you say that I am? See, it's always been and always will be a personal matter. It's a personal declaration. It's a personal confession. It is a personal decision to follow Jesus, and that's why he brings it down to the one. Who do you say that I am? The message reads, one time when Jesus was off praying by himself, his disciples nearby, he asked them, what are the crowds saying about me, about who I am? They said, John the baptizer. Others say Elijah. Still others say that one of the prophets from long ago has come back. He then asked, and you, what are you saying about me? Who am I? Peter answered, the Messiah of God. 
You know, Jesus is concerned with what we're saying about him. Who we're saying he is, what we're saying he is. Now, John the Baptist and Elijah, Jeremiah are one of the old prophets. These are all great standards, but until he, Jesus, is to us Messiah, the Son of the living God, the liberating King, God's anointed, and God himself, we miss the mark. You see, the world is okay with a John the Baptist Jesus. They make room for him. The world is okay with an Elijah Jesus. They make room for him. The world is okay with a prophet Jesus. Perhaps you've had that conversation. But what the world has a hard time with until the lights come on is a Messiah Jesus. Because when Jesus is Messiah, everything changes. When he is the Christ of God, everything changes. Again, I say the world's okay with this prophet Jesus. I've had many a conversation. They're okay with the good teacher Jesus. They're okay with the human rights activist Jesus. They're okay with, we could go down the list tonight. When you begin to speak about Jesus as the Messiah, that's where the world is a hard time. See, when Jesus is Messiah, we have to truly give account for our living. When Jesus is Messiah, the only right response is to repent and follow. And to follow wholeheartedly, to follow with all that we are. He becomes the Lord of our life. We heard Reverend Mel Davis touch on that yesterday. Hudson Taylor said these words, I believe it was him. Christ is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. See, when Jesus is Messiah, he is king and he is Lord. When Jesus is Messiah, he writes the story, he writes our story. You know that he is interested in not only what the crowd is saying about him, but what you are saying about him. And not only in words, but in actions. He's concerned with what we are saying about him. And we know that our lives speak volumes, do they not? We're preaching sermons every day with our life. We're laying it out there for people. And he's concerned with what's being said. Luke 9, 18 to 20. In the EHV. One time when Jesus was praying alone with the disciples, the disciples were with him. He asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say Elijah. And others say one of the ancient prophets come back to life. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. See, some were saying that he was John the Baptist, others saying that he's Elijah, and others that he's one of these old-time prophets that have come back to life. Now, it's amazing that they would confess and say, believing and concluding 
within themselves that he was one come back from the dead. And so we see right there that they believe in the miraculous. (laughs) But believing in the miraculous is not enough. Believing that Jesus is something great but not the greatest is not enough. Believing Jesus is some godly and holy man but not God most holy is not enough. And so Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? It doesn't matter what the crowd is saying, whether the crowd's saying something that's good, a good standard, putting Jesus up on a pedestal that is still good, to say that he's John the Baptist, or to say that he's Elijah, or one of the great prophets of old. It's not enough. Jesus is only looking for one answer, one response, that he's the Christ of God, that he is the Messiah. Number one, he is more than John. You know, John was an incredible man, a man used mightily of God. Listen to Matthew 11, 11. It says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. John was a voice crying in the wilderness. We know this. Called of God, Well, he was yet in the womb, used of God mightily. John 1, verses 19 to 23. Now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. You see, John prepared the way, but he was not the way. He prepared the way. A voice crying in the wilderness but he was not the way. Jesus Christ is more than John, not just called to prepare the way, but he is the way. It's declared in the word, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, we might be here tonight. We're solid Christians. We're in the faith. But I believe a simple message like this can help us, not only in our own walk with the Lord, but as we engage with the world, as we engage with what the crowd is saying, as we encounter what the crowd is saying, when the crowd is claiming one thing, when the crowd is saying he's a good teacher, when the crowd is saying he's simply a prophet, or he was John the Baptist, or he was Elijah, or he was one of the prophets come back from the dead, and yet they would declare that they believe in the miraculous, it's still not enough. And so we take them to the Word. He's more than John. John 1, 23 to 29, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you 
whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to lose. These things were done in Bethabara beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb showed up, and when the Lamb shows up, we must behold him. We need to present to the world the Lamb. We need to present to the world Christ as he desires to be presented. We need to say the right thing. We need to live the right way so that we're showing Jesus as Lord. We're showing Jesus as Messiah, not just a good teacher, not just a prophet, not just a miracle worker, but that he's Lord. Because when Jesus is Messiah, everything changes. Everything must change. When you present them with that, everything has to change. I've been in conversations As soon as you cross that line, people are okay. Wise people, people of great intellect, or people that aren't quite educated at the same level. People are okay with Jesus being a good teacher or being a good man. They wouldn't necessarily deny that he lived. They they would agree with the fact that he lived. But they won't take him as Messiah. But again, Jesus is only asking for one answer, and he's only looking for one answer. And so I think we should only look for one answer. And so we lead them to that point where they are presented with the decision. What will I say that he is? Who will I say that he is? Jesus is more than John. Number two, he is more than Elijah. Now, Elijah was a mighty man of God. He was a miracle worker. He was used in incredible ways by the Lord of heaven. Elijah, the miracle worker, but Jesus is the miracle maker. Jesus is the miracle. He is the power. He is the authority. Only Jesus is the all-sufficient one. No one else can claim this. The miracles of Elijah and all that was accomplished through him was exactly that, accomplished through him. And the power at work in him was the power of God. We're going to read Matthew 17, 1 to 13. You can turn there if you'd like. Matthew chapter 17, beginning of verse 1. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered, And said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, 
And suddenly a voice came out of the clouds saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already, and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. We read in this story, we see Moses, we see Elijah. Listen to Matthew 17, verses 5 to 8 again. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, I love this, they saw no one but Jesus only. You see, everything else fades away when standing next to the sun. And when eyes are lifted, all they see is Jesus. Only Jesus. J.B. Phillips, New Testament, as they raised their eyes, there was no one to be seen but Jesus himself. The bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And God's declaration, the Father's declaration was, Hear him. And they lifted their eyes, and all they saw was Jesus, only Jesus. All others had faded away. Elijah had faded away. Moses had faded away. And Jesus is more than all these other figures. All these other figures simply came to prepare the way, or show the way, or light the way. It's all about Jesus. And so too with our lives, let it be that when people lift their eyes, we fade away. And all they see is Jesus. Number three, he's more than Jeremiah or one of the ancient prophets. A prophet or generally inspired man, spokesman, speaker, he spoke not his own words, but those which he had divinely received. It's a messenger of God and the declarer of his will. You know, thank God for the prophets. How many are thankful for the prophets? Those that speak not their own words, but those which they have divinely received. Those that have brought the message and declared the Lord's will. So thankful for the prophets. Thankful that we get to read what the prophets declared in the Word. And still today, there are some true prophets that are declaring the will of God. Jeremiah was called. He was set apart. He was, he was chosen. He had an incredible 
incredible prophetic ministry. Jeremiah truly was a spokesman, a speaker of that which he had divinely received. He was a messenger of God, a declarer of his will. But when we look at Jesus, he is not simply the spokesperson. He is not simply a spokesperson. Jesus is the voice. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the utterance. Jesus is the speaker. He is not the messenger. He is the message. Do you understand that? It's not simply us going to the world and trying to convince or relay some message that doesn't have any power in it. We are bringing the message that is the message, and it's Jesus. And so we're not trying to mess around and bring other things in. And you know what? Some conversations do need to be shut down. We can't walk away without people knowing that he is Messiah and that we must have a decision, that they must be faced with the decision. I think, you know, maybe we view conversations as, okay, we'll get them next time. It's okay. They walked away. They think he's a teacher now. They think he's a prophet. They think he works miracles. Maybe they think he came alive and was raised from the dead. Sure, maybe they believe he actually did die on a cross. But we need to get to the point where they walk away because life is too short and they're faced with the decision. They have to make a decision. Who do you say that he is? I think we should even be so bold in the right way, in a gracious way, with the kindness of God and the love of God. Who do you say he is? Not who do the crowd say, or who your mom said, who your grandmother said, who your friends say, who your professor says he is. Who do you say he is? Now they're faced with the ultimate question. And it's the greatest question they'll ever answer. Allow people to answer the greatest question they'll ever answer. The greatest question ever put forth. Who do you say I am? Jesus is the way, not just the preparer of the way. Jesus is the truth. He's not just a declarer of the truth. Jesus is the life, not just a life, not just a worker of miracles as with the jar of flour, the bottle of oil flowing with endless supply, giving life to the woman and her son during a time of drought. Jesus is the miracle maker. He's the life giver behind every miracle. Jesus is the miracle. Jesus is all things. Luke 9, 18 to 20. And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked them, saying, Who did the crowd say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist. But some say, Elijah, we could put other things in there tonight. I don't know what kind of conversations you've had. What people have said, what the crowd has said, what your boss has said, what your parents have said, what your brother and sister have said. It can be even those close to us. It could be a distant relative, a friend. I don't know what they're saying. It could be other people in the church. He said to them, who do you say that I am? 
Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. You know, Jesus is here in this place, and he's asking us, who do you say I am? I believe he's asking us tonight, who, who do you say I am with your living, with your life, with the way you carry yourself, conduct yourself outside of here? Who do you say I am? Now, we know that Jesus sees all of us at all times, and so, you know, he sees who we say he is, doesn't he? Even when there's nobody around, he, he, he sees who we say he is. Again, that quote, you know, Christ is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Really brings it into perspective. We know Peter's answer. It's written in the book. Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. I just asked tonight, what of our answer? Let it be as Peter's. Who am I? You know, what of us? What of us? Who are we? Who are you? Who, who am I? You know, I'm a preparer of the way because he is the way. That's the same for every person here. Who are we? Who am I? A miracle worker because he is the miracle maker. A prophetic voice because he is the utterance. A dreamer because he is the dream. A visionary because he is the vision. John showed us the right response. Who are you? Who are you? He confessed and did not deny but confessed, I am not the Christ. Are you Elijah? No. Are you a prophet? No. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, and isn't that what we are? Crying, make straight the way of the Lord. John answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you who you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the truth tonight. All we are is only because of who he is. All we are is only because of who he is. The only reason I'm a jar filler is because he is the fill in the jar. The only reason I even have a voice or I have utterances because he is the utterance flowing. We understand that. The only reason we have light in this dark world is because he is the ultimate light. We have to remain humble. And we have to keep the focus on Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. Never Behold us. Who am I and who are you? A way. We're a preparer of the way. A miracle worker. A prophetic voice. It's all because of who he is. Let's have the worship team return. I believe with all my heart we need a simple 
message like this to simply remind us that everyone else fades away when standing next to Jesus. That when eyes are lifted, it's only Jesus. Jesus is not a way or a preparer of the way. And now we see it. Jesus is not simply a mighty man of God or a miracle worker, but he is the miracle maker. Jesus is not a prophet. He is the word. He is the voice. He is the utterance. Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is Lord. And so the crowds say what they will, and the crowds give answer, but he asks you, and he asks me, who do you say that I am? And this is more than word acknowledgement. It's not simply enough to sit here tonight and say Jesus is Messiah or to sit here tonight and say Jesus is the Son of God. It's more than word acknowledgement. He's looking for an answer not only with our lips but with our life. He's looking for us to come and present our life. And that's what he's looking for concerning every single person. Every person alive right now. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that I am? Let them answer the most important question. Just because we say he is the way doesn't mean we've taken him as the way or received him as the miracle maker or received him as the voice or the word or as Messiah, the Christ of God. And so he's looking for an answer with our life. I want to encourage us all tonight as we leave this place. I'm going to pray for divine appointments. I'm not going to scare anybody here, but that we have these conversations this week. That we can present people with the greatest question they'll ever be presented with. An opportunity to give the greatest single answer they will ever give. That they'll feel it. And that when we speak, it's not us. It's Jesus. And that when they lift their eyes, the blind eyes are opened, all they see is Jesus. Everyone else fades away. You see, we are not even worthy, I love it, not even worthy to untie his sandal strap. My, we have people, believers and non, taking greater liberty than that with Jesus. Not even worthy to untie his sandal strap. Imagine if we walked out of this place with, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I can't remember who it was. I've probably shared this before. A great preacher Back in the old days, they didn't have things like microphones. They didn't have amplification. And he simply went into this auditorium just to test it out, just to see how loud he had to speak so that people could hear, to hear how it would echo and reverberate off the walls and off the back. And he walked in. Nobody was around. Nobody was there. He walked in. He stood up. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And there was a worker up in the rafters. Non-believer began to weep, came down, gave his heart to the Lord. 
We have no idea what's going on when we simply declare, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We might see them come and repent right there. They may walk out. They might go home, bow their knee, crack the book. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I recently sat with someone that came into the church. Confessing sins, confessing all the wrong they've done, couldn't handle it anymore. We just had to finally get to the point because it was like they didn't understand. The, the understanding wasn't there. They grew up different. Catholic background and such thought he was simply coming in. You know, you're a priest, you're a pastor, trying to confess and trying to get the blessing they could walk out. And I said, that's not how it works here. You can confess to me all you want, but this is only simply an avenue to Jesus. Only he can forgive you of your sins. Only he can wash you as white as snow. Don't let people walk away with false hope. Don't let people walk away with a messed up understanding of what this is. That they can stroll back into church whenever they want and offload their sins just like going to a Catholic confessional. Get some blessing and walk out. This is, this is real life. And so we need to present them with the greatest question they'll ever answer and pray to God and hope against hope and trust in the Lord and the brooding of the Holy Spirit and the working of the Holy Spirit that they will give the greatest answer they've ever given. Let's stand tonight. Let's just sing out this song, then we'll close in prayer. We'll head out. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If more of you...